We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. study is called Only Revival Can Save Us. Only Revival Can Save Us. I'm going to share a couple scriptures with you that I'm basing what we're looking at today upon in the Word of God. Matthew chapter 24, verse 3 through 8, Jesus is talking to His disciples, and His disciples are asking Him about the last days. He says, Now as He sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him privately, saying, Tell us when these things may be, and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, or plagues, and earthquakes in various places, all these are the beginning of sorrows. In another text that reflects our society today is in Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, where Timothy is talking about the last days. And he talks about, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. That word perilous means grievous, grievous or grieving, troublesome. And dangerous times will come. For men will be lovers only of themselves. Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God and having a form of godliness, but denying its power. From such people, turn away. Now, the purpose of reading these scriptures is to give you an idea of what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to quote you several news articles of situations on where we are today. What is the world that you live in? It's a reality check. Sometimes we get caught up in our own world. We may not even watch the news. Sometimes we get caught up in our work or we get caught up in what we're doing and we just don't pay attention to what's actually happening all around us. And those scriptures are there for you to understand what the end times are. But let me give you any different quotes or different things to share with you where we really are. The first text talks about first wars and rumors of wars and nations shall rise against nations. We all know about World War I and World War II and even know that the first Iraq war was a coalition of nations brought together to come out. But those are nations rising against nations. Today, in the newspaper today in Rudders, uh, it talks about one of the um, major stories is, was the West renews Russia sanctions threat as Ukraine's ceasefire crumbles. The Ukraine's 
freedom is at stake as Russia is about to completely invade them. And this will affect us too because uh, power, oil, go through the Ukraine. Then also on AP News today was Iraq villagers flee militants as they advance north. Al-Qaeda is now taking over Iraq. They are 40 miles out of Baghdad. And as soon as they take over Iraq, everything that America went in for and fought for will be gone. They will take over a major oil country. And the price of oil will skyrocket. And you may see gas going to 6 to $10 a gallon as normal because of the crisis. This will affect us directly in our world. 40 miles out of Baghdad. Okay. Then another part of it talked about earthquakes. Where are we with earthquakes? How has earthquakes been affected in the world? Well, Los Angeles Times recently had an article where quakes are increasing, but scientists aren't sure what it means. The U.S. Geological Center breaks down the different earthquakes by 1900. In the 50-year span, there was 16 earthquakes, 6.0 or better. And then they break it down every 10 years. 1950 to 1960, there was 9 then from 60 to 70, there was 13. From 70 to 80, there was 51. From 80 to 90, there was 86. From 90 to 93, just three years, there was 100. And it's been 100 every three years since, or better. Not only are we experiencing earthquakes, but they're going all over the world, various places, as the scripture says. We hear what happened with the tsunamis caused by earthquakes. Japan, Indonesia, Chile was hit with extremely large earthquakes. And all recently, within the last few years, extreme magnitude earthquakes happening all around. This is the world we live in. This is where we're at. It also talks about famines in that text. Current famines around the world are in the countries of Ethiopia, Nigeria, Uganda, North Korea, Cambodia, Bangladesh, Congo, Somalia, and there is an extreme crisis here in the United States of homeless and hungry families. We're not talking just homeless guy here and there. Everyone's, we're talking about whole families that are in the streets that have no food across America even affected here. It also talks about pestilence or plagues. We've all heard about the AIDS virus and all these things, and you can hardly hear any more things going on, but I want to touch on a few that really will wake you up and where we're at. Uh, in the news just yesterday, there was an article that says, Fears for Antibiotic Apocalypse Grow. The biggest threat to human health today is, is not global warming, says a group of eminent scientists. It is resistance to antibiotics. The situation has been described as apocalyptic. 
is so desperate that a global response similar to the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change is urgently needed, said experts gathered by the Royal Society in London. The World Health Organization is considering a global action plan to fight the problem. At least 2 million Americans a year are infected with drug-resistant viruses, and about 23,000 a year die as a direct result. Even more die from other illnesses that were made worse by infections that cannot be treated, according to the report by the Center of Disease Control and Prevention. So this is a real outbreak here. All these antibiotic drugs that they had, penicillin and all these things that would fight off the worst of them all, there are viruses now that have adapted and are immune to them. And they're here and they're active and they're growing fast. And they have no answers. They have no cures. In Reuters today, it said, drastic action needed to halt world's worst Ebola outbreak says the World Health Organization. An Ebola outbreak began in Guinea has turned into a cross-border crisis that could spread to more countries. The World Health Organization said on Thursday, calling for drastic action to halt the deadly epidemic. If you don't know what Ebola is, it's basically a hemorrhagic fever. You get this flu-like symptoms first in the first couple of days. All of a sudden, you start bleeding through your pores, your nose, your ears. Your organs begin to turn to mush. And in a couple of weeks, you're dead. It has a 95% fatality rate. Despite efforts by national health authorities and international aid organizations to contain its spread, the World Health Organization has recorded 635 infections, including 399 deaths in Guinea, Sierra Leone, and Liberia since the outbreak began in February. The crisis is already the deadliest outbreak since Ebola first emerged in Central Africa in 1976, and the number of infections continue to rise. Quote, it is no longer a country-specific outbreak, but a sub-regional crisis that requires firm action by governments and partners. Luis Sambo, who the, the World Health Organization Regional Director Quote, the World Health Organization is gravely concerned by the ongoing cross-border transmission into neighboring countries, as well as the potential for further international spread. This is what's happening in our world. Our economy. This is home. This is where we're at. Stocks are booming, but not the economy the Philadelphia Inquirer on June 14th. Corporate America is buying back its own shares, bolstering the markets, but failing to invest in new business and equipment and could pro that could propel the economy. According to the Data Services Capital, the biggest buyers of stocks in the first quarter of 2014 
were the companies of the S&P 500 itself, which cumulatively repurchased $160 billion of their own shares. In other words, it looks like the stock market's booming. It looks like the economy's getting better. But these guys are just rebuying their own stocks. The market's driving up. But do you see new jobs? Do you see an increase in your pay? Do you see gas prices going down? The stock market looks great, but we're not seeing it on Main Street. The article says, for the vast majority of Americans, however, there are still no wage gains in sections of retail, hospitality, construction, and service. Meanwhile, low volatility bothers some market professionals. But that could change in global events, such as the renewed violence in Iraq, spiking oil prices, surprising economic data, or government policies. In other words, all we need is a bad report to come out and all of a sudden things start tanking. All we need is Iraq to be taken over or uh, some type of uh, economic data that comes out real bad. Then all of a sudden things start plunging again. That's the economy that we live in. That's the reality. That's our world today. Demonic activity. Demonic activity has increased. And always at the Christ coming, demonic activity increased. Now at the second coming, demonic activity is again increasing. Let me give you a couple of uh, news reports of demonic activity. On June 19th, 2014, police say mom said voices told her to throw her kids out the window. She was on the second floor and voices in her head told her to throw her six-month-old and her one-year-old child out the window. And finally, she grabbed her kids and she threw them out the window and then she jumped herself. All survived. The kids require a lot of surgery She survived, and she told the police, the voices in my head told me to do it. San Antonio woman kills her own baby, says she ate part of its brain. Woman Audie Sanchez kills baby and says the devil told her to do it. She killed her baby with knives and with swords, ate three of her toes and some of her brain, and when they came in, She said, the devil told me to do it. The police were trying to take her into custody, and that's when she stabbed herself in the stomach and in the heart. But she survived. ABC News. Man eats the face of another. A Miami police officer shot Rudy Eugene Saturday after repeated pleas for him to stop eating another man's face. His demands were met with only growls. Eugene continued, and it took four bullets to kill and stop him as witnesses watched in horror. This is today. This is in the United States, where we're seeing more demonic activity than ever. Morality. We all know how morality is going, and When God's word is no longer our guide, there's no longer 
right and wrong. But rather, you hear terms of tolerance, acceptance. And the younger people today have to deal with this, have to be tolerant and accepting, because they, have to, they don't understand that God's word or God's way is a rule of measure of what is right and wrong. It's not descriptive or what feels good to me or what feels good to you. It's prescriptive. It is appointed. It is prescribed by God what is right and wrong. And as you see society go on without God on their own, you see how things change. You see how things are getting worse. And those who are not tolerant, those who are not acceptant, will be seen as antiquated, divisive, bigoted, and must be stopped. That's the concept of morality today toward us. A, a Gallup poll was taken, and now, as far as moral acceptability, divorce is morally acceptable. Sex between a man, unmarried man and a woman is morally acceptable. Medical research using stem cells obtained from human embryos is completely acceptable. Having a baby outside of marriage is completely acceptable. Gay and lesbian relations, completely acceptable. It's not only accepted, it's, not, it's some places celebrated and other times forced down your throat. Let me give you an example. April 4th, 2014, Mozilla CEO forced to resign because of his $1,000 donation to protectmarriage.com. Brendan Ake has resigned from his, after less than two weeks, as CEO of Mozilla Foundation. It recently came to light that Mr. Ake donated $1,000 in 2008 to the protectmarriage.com, an, organize, an organization supporting California's Proposition 8 ban on homosexual marriage. The LGBT activists, or the gay community, called for boycotts of the Firefox web browser. The Mozilla employees used Twitter to cast a vote of no confidence in Mr. Eek's leadership. Okay. You want to be homosexual? Be a homosexual. I can share with you what God's word says, but the choice is yours. You have the freedom to be what you want to be. You can choose to obey God's word or not. But now that's no longer enough. I don't have the right to believe what I want to believe anymore. I have to accept them. I have to say it's not sin. I have to say it's okay. I cannot no longer express a free opinion about it. Or a social media mob will come after you and you'll lose your job. Because you don't believe the way they do. And you're not allowed to believe that way. Let me show you what I mean. June 24th, 2014. Joe Biden, gay rights take precedence over culture. Seeking to mobilize a global front against anti-gay violence and discrimination, Vice President Joe Biden declared Tuesday that protecting gay rights is a defining mark of civilization and must trump 
national cultures, and social traditions. Biden, who emerged as a leading gay rights advocate within the Obama administration, declaring his support for gay marriage, said that across the U.S. Uh, that across U.S. government agencies, officials have been instructed to make the promotion of gay rights abroad a top priority. They're pushing it. They're forcing it. Where's it going? June 7th, 2014, in Denmark, gay Danish couple wins right to marry in church. The country's parliament voted through a new law on same-sex marriage by a large majority, making it mandatory for all churches to conduct gay marriages. And if the pastor refuses to do so, he is to be fired and replaced with a pastor that will. Here in the United States, court, New York City can ban churches from school buildings. The Supreme Court has rejected an evangelical church's plea to overturn New York City's ban on renting public schools for religious worship services. That means the city now has the green light to begin evicting congregations who pay rent to use public school buildings for church services. You see, it's not just about them doing their thing and you doing your thing anymore. They're coming after you. They're coming after you. It has changed. Your world has changed from a moral perspective. They'll say, and you'll see the bumpers, coexist. Everybody can coexist, but you are not allowed. Because you won't accept sin. You won't accept just what they believe. And you have to draw the line. You're going to have to face it sooner or later. You're going to have to pick a side. Because it's coming. This is our world in which we live in now. Today, here in America and in the world. From a government perspective, our government has become dysfunctional. When the rule of measure of right and wrong is removed, it leads to self-implosion. And this is what the deal is. We had the word of God as a foundation of our law. That has been removed. And when you do that, what ends up happening is crowd A here wants flowers in the park. Cloud, crowd B wants grass in the park. So votes taken at city council and they say flowers in the park. Well, crowd B is not happy. So crowd B votes in all the people that will give them the grass in the park. And then all of a sudden now it's grass in the park. Then crowd A does the same thing. And now there's this big dissension in the government because nobody can get along or figure things out and there's this big stalemate just to try to figure out what they want grass in the park or flowers in the park because it's not about what's right it's not about what's good for the people it's about keeping my job and giving the people what they want so I can keep my job and so these people put me in, this is what they want, this is what I'll say. And there's no longer a point of compromise. 
it now becomes contentious. And so I want my way. No, I want my way. Okay, let's get enough people in office to get what we need to do. Let's do what we need to do to get what we want done. Forget what the other side wants. And government becomes dysfunctional. Before it would say, okay, well, you know what? The law says this, so let's submit to the law. It's not that way anymore. I don't like it. Let's change the law. I don't like it. Let's change the judges. I don't like it. Congress doesn't have to approve me. I'll just do executive order. And I'll get done whatever I want to get done. So if you look at how everything is nowadays, you see morality going to the point of persecution. You see plagues. You see earthquakes. You see the love of men growing cold. You see brutality. You see lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. Unloving. That term unloving in that text means no natural affection. They forgot what it was to have a normal relationship with people. A wife, a mom, a dad, a girlfriend. And they have an unnatural love to just satisfy themselves. This is where we live. This is, and, and this world that you live in right now invokes God to action. Either to save us or to judge us. We are to that point now. This is where the world is today. This is not to preach doom and gloom to you. This is to tell you there is a hope. That God loves you. That God makes a way for us to come home. God makes a way for us to start. And that's why the title of this message is Only Revival Can Save Us. Because if you look... All these voting that you're doing, we're such a minority now, they're not even listening anymore. And they're plunging forward as fast as they can into immorality. And as a believer, sometimes you can get frustrated. I still vote, I still do what I have to do, but you want to know something? There's just been an overwhelming sense of helplessness lately. That things are going the way they're going. How do I stop it? Now, it's revival. Revival can change everything. Revival can save our country. Revival can save our friends, our relatives. Only revival can save us. But what is revival? What does it mean? The term revival by Charles Spurgeon is to live again. To receive again a life which was almost expired. To rekindle into a flame the vital spark which was nearly extinguished. So you see, you have to understand. We're talking about revival. Okay? It has to be revived. That means it had to been a fire there before. A life there before. 
you don't try to revive a dead man. He's dead. But if someone's on the verge of death and he barely has a pulse and you zap him with the defibrillator, you've revived him. So revival isn't speaking of a work of the Holy Spirit among the non-believer. The non-believer is spiritually dead. They are insensitive to the Spirit of God currently, except for sin, righteousness, and judgment. Revival is specifically for the church, for us. The embers have grown cold. We have stopped looking at our world. We have allowed things to take a back seat to the priority of my relationship with Jesus. See, Reformation is return to scriptures. Revival is the return to spirit-filled living. A return to spirit-filled living. And all these great revivals that you saw in past church history, it was sparked in the church. God blew on those small little embers and created a spiritual fire again. And the church was a light again. A church was in purity again. A church's mind was no longer stained with all the garbage of the world, but was consumed by falling in love with Jesus. That's what can save today. Because the world will see, and the world will see the reality of a God who loves them. Because I had a guy on Sunday come in, wanted to talk to a pastor, and he had drug addiction. It ruined his life. And today's drug addiction is not necessarily smoking pot or doing coke. A lot of it today is prescription drug, opiates. And they just pop them and pop them and pop them and it just takes over their life and it ends up destroying them. And this guy just was busted, broken. Life was done. And he had come in to see if we could help. And I asked him if, they, if he had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. This guy knew Nothing of Jesus or God or God's plan of salvation. No clue. Because a lot of people think out there, well, you know, there, there's preachers on TV. There's a church on every corner. Well, let me tell you something. A lot of people just don't go. They don't want it. And you know why? Because our witness has died. The church has become weak. Our witness is one of compromise. Our witnesses say, we want to be more like you, world, rather than being called out ones, as the scripture calls it. Called out of the world and into that awesome, powerful relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where we need to be. When a starving man, when a man starves himself, continuing for a long time without food, when he's a day, just day after day without bread, we're not surprised when a doctor finds him in this extreme condition and says, this man has weakened his system. He is too low. He needs reviving. 
Of course he does. For he has brought himself by lack of food into a state of weakness. Are there not hundreds of Christians in the same spiritual state? The word of God is your spiritual food. And a lot of times our weakness is self-inflicted because we're not even in the word. We're not washing our hearts daily, early, seeking the Lord, saying, what's your plan for me today? Speak to me through your word. Show me what you want to do. We say, I'm late, man. I need a couple more hours sleep. I'll do it later. And you find yourself neglecting it more and more and more. And then chaos begins to take over in life. Not knowing which way to go. Not what to do. Crisis and circumstance becomes comes into your life and you're like, wow, what's happening? But we haven't been spending time. We haven't been feeding the spirit. And it's starving and weak. And now we know why we're in the troubles that we're in. Because we need revival. The church needs revival. Charles Spurgeon said, A church should be a camp of soldiers, not a hospital of invalids. But there is an exceedingly much difference between what we ought to be and what is. The consequences many of God's people are so sad a state is but that they're so sad a state that the very fittest prayer for them is revival. A.W. Tozer said that a Christian our Christian army is so weak that the smallest army in the world would overtake us in a day. What do we do for revival? How do we get revival? This is something you have to desire for your life. You have to be able to look at this world around you that I showed you, the reality of the world around you, and realize with all your heart you truly are not in control. You think, I got it together. I'm going strong. I got a pattern. I got things rolling. You're not in control. You're one step away from being laid off by one bad thing happening in the economy. You're one cell mutation away from having cancer. You live paycheck to paycheck, but if something happens big time, I'm going down. You're really not in control. Look at the world around you. You need Jesus. You need His hope. You need his love. You need him to hold you. Because there is nothing more safe in this world than being in the will of God. If you are in the will of God, you have no fear. You have not a problem. They're God's problems. And God will lead you and guide you and provide for you and see you through. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... He says, all these things will be added unto you. But what do we do for revival? Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face 
and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Not just everybody. His people. Us. If we humble ourselves. The word humble there, the definition is to be brought into subjection. Look at your life. Say, God, I'm done. I'm done trying to run it my way. I surrender. I submit my heart, my life to you. That's the idea of humble here. You humble yourself. He will let you run your life all you want. He will not shove his will down your throat. But when you're tired of carrying the burdens that you were never designed to, and when you're broken because life has dealt you what you deserve. And another guy, same problem, same type of addiction. Lost his kids, lost his wife, lost full custody. They're moving out of the state. He has nothing. He doesn't have a job. He just got out of rehab. He doesn't have a car. He doesn't have a place to live. And he comes in and have known him for a while. Shared with him. You got to change. You got to change. You got to change. And now all this is happening. And he has to face the consequences of it all. He finally put his hands in his face. And he looked down. And he came up and he says, What have I done? The veil was taken off. The veil that Satan says, it's okay, one more time, one more time, it's okay. God loves you, it's not going to happen, don't worry about judgment, it's grace. The veil was taken off of what he did to himself. By being out of the will of God, by not being able to put himself under subjection to the hand of the Lord. God's whole plan for you is to love you and to bless you and to save you and to show you why he made you. It's a wonderful life. It's the hope of heaven in this crazy world you live in. That's what he has for you. He says, and humble themselves and pray. The word pray there means supplication. Cry out. Tell him every need. Tell him everything you're going through. Pour it out. Let him have it. It says, and if they seek my face, the word seek means to desire to seek, to desire to find, and desire to secure. You got to want it. It's got to be what you want. And you want it so bad, you're not going to stop until you secure it. It's mine. That's the mentality. And, and to seek his face. The word face there is translated his presence. You just want to be with him. You're tired of this crazy world. You want to surrender to his hand. And you just want to come home. He'll be there. He'll be there to catch you. He'll be there to love you. He'll be there to put the pieces back together. Sometimes it takes taking that piece of clay and just 
smashing it down and starting over. But he'll fix it. He'll make it right. Sometimes you'll be broken hearted. But the broken hearted isn't because of him. The broken hearted is because we did it our way. And we got burned. But it's not too late to do it his way. And to get it right. And to get it fixed. He says to turn. If they turn and hear my voice. Okay, the word turn there means to return back to him. To return back to him and listen and obey. He says, and I will hear from heaven. And I will heal their land. And the word heal means to be healed of national hurts and personal distresses. God's whole will for you is not to freak out because of the chaos of this crazy world that's going on around you. God wants to heal you. He wants to bless you. He wants to change you. He wants to get your world together and understand why he made you. Because if you see the spiritual battle that's occurring all around you, it's subtle, it's clever, and it's creeping up on you. When the enemy raises up and comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard against it. And that starts here. It starts here with the church. It starts here to let the Lord blow on the embers. Say, I'm sorry I've left for so long. I'm sorry I've just compromised and just wanted parts of the world. I'm done. I've only given you 80%. I've only given you 50% of my life. Here's all of me. Here's everything, and he will take it, and he will change not only your life, but he'll go blow on the embers, and he'll spark revival, and it will spread, and we will change our world. We will change our country. John Knox in the Great Revival started where the economy was hurting because the mining business had crumbled because there was such a great revival that the miners couldn't get the donkeys to move and to haul the 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 load out of the mine because they used to talk to them in cuss words and nobody cussed anymore so the mules weren't moving anymore but that's how powerful the revival changed their world, change their society. That all begins right here. And it's not a doom and gloom message. Because your doom and gloom message is right outside that door right there when you walk out. That's what the world offers you. What you heard today. That's your world. But here can begin the fire. 
Here can begin the real change where you say, I'm tired of compromising. And you know to that person who says, you know what, I'm living life. I'm doing my thing. I'm happy in the world that I am. You want to know something? You're lying to yourself because it's only for a moment. Then you need more, and then you need more, and you're empty, and you're empty, and you're empty. And when you finally come to reap, you'll come running home because you realize how wrong you were. But you'll have to live with the consequences of it all. Why bother? Stay with the Lord. There's nothing that He can't give you that you need. Discover who He really is and allow miracles to happen in your life. There's a real God and there's a real spiritual power of the Holy Spirit alive in you. He's in you. But do you call on Him? When that time of temptation comes, do you say, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to overcome and to fight it? When, hard to, when, when crisis comes, Lord, give me a peace by Your Spirit to be able to see this through. You've been given everything you need. Do you call upon Him? Do you ask Him for you? Do you surrender and allow God to work that work in your life. I ask you today to examine your heart. And examine your life. Because whether you like it or not. With God it's all or nothing. There is no gray. And there is no compromise. But that's because. That's the only way he can show you his will. Is if you're submitted to his hand. And he can lead and guide you in the way. And his path is love, peace, joy, long-suffering, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All these fruits are along that path walking in the Spirit that you may be lacking today. I implore you, take that time to say, God, let's start over. And let God work those miracles in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I pray for these people, Lord. I pray for your church. We've become so weak. We've just forgotten what it's all about. And how to reach this dying world, Lord. We've got caught up in ourselves. We've done wrong. We've compromised. We stopped pursuing holiness. We stopped pursuing righteousness. We stopped pursuing you. And pursued the things for ourselves. Forgive us, Lord. Allow us, God, to come home. Lord, may we be right with you. And may you touch us and bless us now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.